And then, you know, the military has got its own justice system. And as a commanding officer, you are absolutely accountable and absolutely responsible for the things that your team does well and for the things that they don't do well. Mm. And uh, the end result of that, I got relieved of command. And uh, what does that really mean in civilian terms? I got fired. So imagine, you know, being on the top of your career, doing all that good stuff. And then, you know what? Things go sideways and your role and your identity gone. Wow. So you're a can-do guy, can-do person, can-do gal, whatever. And now your sense of identity, what you knew for your entire adult life, gone. Your self-assurance, your confidence, gone. And you had to figure out who you were, you had to figure out what mattered, and you had to figure out what's next. Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life, on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tough Talks, conversations on mental toughness. I am your host, Chris Doris. And before we get to today's guest, our housekeeping item, as usual is if you aren't getting notified or if you're not getting my daily dose Every morning, Daily Dose Mental Toughness Tips in 30 seconds or less delivered to your email inbox right around 6 a.m. wherever you are on the planet. And if you're not getting my Tuesday blog posts, and if you're not getting notified of these new Tough Talks podcast uh, episodes, then we can fix all of that in one click by going to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, ChristopherDoris.com backslash Lists, name, email, click, boom. The goodies are all yours. All right. Our guest today is a fascinating guy named Dennis Volpe. Let me read you um, his bio and then tell you something that he's going to do for us here today. Dennis Volpe currently serves as a principal consultant and executive performance and transition coach with the Leadership Research Institute. He's a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. He earned his Master of Science in Leadership Development from the Naval Postgrad School and is a Columbia University certified executive coach. Dennis's understanding of leadership comes from his over 20 years of leadership and operational experience as a career Naval officer to include teaching leadership at the US Naval Academy, serving in numerous leadership roles of increasing responsibility, which also include command at sea and from a variety of academic and intellectual pursuits. He, Dennis has experienced personal, professional success, professional setbacks, and knows what it takes to live a resilient life. He's very involved in his community as a mentor slash coach, supporting military to civilian transition programs, as well as participatory hands-on leadership programs for emerging leaders. He, uh, Dennis enjoys the outdoors. He's a passionate rug, college rugby and lacrosse fan. And as an avid triathlete, Dennis and his wife, Amanda, live outside Manchester, New Hampshire with their dog, Nimitz, which is such a cool name. We'll, let him, maybe we'll get to that. 
But what we're definitely going to get to is what he referenced here as commander at sea. He has um, a remarkable story that I've asked him in advance if he'd be willing to start off with. And, uh, and that's going to be the perfect segue into the rest of our conversation on resilience and mental toughness and creating from what you could consider extreme adversity, <laughs> unbelievable challenge. This guy ain't no victim. All right, let's go find him. He's here waiting for us. Dennis, where you at, brother? And here he is, folks, Dennis Volpe. What's up, my friend? Hey, Chris, uh, great to be here, brother. Uh, I've been uh, looking forward to this conversation for a while. Yeah, likewise, likewise. And uh, shout out to um, John and Melissa Davis for the introduction. Yes, it's amazing how small the world is once uh, once we're we've been in it for a quick minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So, so as you know, you and I discussed prior uh, the whole point right of of tough talks podcast existing is purely in service to people, specifically serving them by. Uh, and, you know, educating us because we didn't have classes on mental toughness. We didn't have like mental gym class when, ever, right? At any yeah. level, right? At any level, we never had the class. Even in grad school, I didn't have any classes that taught me the specifics of how to be mentally tough, which we could define in millions of different ways. <clears throat> but um, I'm really interested in, in, in sharing you and your story for you sharing your story with my tribe because something that uh, every single human by virtue of being alive can deal with is uh, adversity, right? And, um, and and what to do like this. I can't wait for, for you to talk about this, this distinction here. Change is a fact that happens to us. Transition is what we do about it. And that's a choice, but we'll get to that. So I'd, what I'd love to do is if you're uh, cool with it is to just share with folks uh, your really fascinating story. Yeah. So, Chris, my story, while it's it's not unique, it's it's absolutely personal. And uh, what does it look like? Uh, you know, I'm an I'm a Naval Academy grad. Um, I'm a retired military officer, and I had the opportunity to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, so I know what success looks like. I know what success feels like, and I know what's required to be successful. Right. So, what does it look like in reality? You, know, you graduate from from one of our service academies, and then you're doing great stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're a ship handler of the year. Uh, you get selected to go back to the Naval Academy as a leadership instructor. You get to be a Navy and Marine Corps Leadership Award winner, an Arlie Burke Award winner. Get selected for command. Awesome stuff, yes. right? So you're you're just getting after, it. yeah, man. Doing all the things that you need to do professionally to get to that next level and then you're at that level mm. and you're you're hooking and jabbing and you're doing you're doing all that stuff and then you're you go you get forward deployed and uh you're supporting the 2014 sochi olympics and imagine you're off the coast of sochi russia close enough to the coast that you could see uh you know, the Olympic torch in the foreground of the Sochi mountains. Wow. Close enough that there's, there's Russian maritime assets that, that are really interested as to why you're there. Uh, and uh, close enough that, you know, our civilian and military chain of command want to know what you're doing, how things are going and everything else. So from, from a professional perspective, you're on top of the mountain mm. and everything's good. 
until it wasn't. Mm. And uh, we had to check off station and sail across the, uh, the Black Sea to go and refuel. And uh, as we were entering the harbor, uh, we had a mishap. We had a grounding. For those that don't do stuff at sea, it means some part of your ship hit the dirt. And uh, we actually ended up breaking the propeller and we were deemed non-mission capable during a time of heightened uh, tensions in the Black Sea region. So in a matter of 24 hours, you went from being on the highest mountain, personally and professionally, to being in the loneliest valley. Wow. Personally and professionally. And then, you know, the military has got its own justice system. And as a commanding officer, you are absolutely accountable and absolutely responsible for the things that your team does well and for the things that they don't do well. Mm. And uh, the end result of that, I got relieved of command. And uh, what does that really mean in civilian terms? I got fired. So imagine, you know, being on the top of your career, doing all that good stuff. And then, you know what, things go sideways and your role and your identity gone. Wow. So you're a can-do guy, can-do person, can-do gal, whatever. And now your sense of identity, what you knew for your entire adult life, gone. Your self-assurance, your confidence, gone. And you had to figure out who you were, you had to figure out what mattered, and you had to figure out what's next. So man, that's hardcore. So, um, uh, how, were you? Did you go into depression? No, I didn't, uh, and I didn't. Uh, now, I, I won't say that I was on top of my game every day. <laughs> I, I can say that uh, that I get into you know a depressed state. No, uh, and I would say that because I have some amazing friends. Uh, and I have an amazing wife, uh, amazing family, and an amazing dog. <laughs> With an amazing name. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, Nimitz is absolutely uh, my wingman. So he, he, he has looked after me through the highs and the lows. Okay, so let's talk about what you did with this, right? Because this is an event where we'll just put it, you know, one of the distinctions I love to make uh, in this work is the distinction between a creator and a victim, right? This yeah. would be, this sounds like a story that would make a set of circumstances that would be very, very easy for you to fall victim. Yeah. To be a victim of this circumstance, right? To, 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 so how, how have, how do you story this now? Like I, like I started out saying, Chris, you know what? It's, it's not a unique story. Mm. It's just my story. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that have been on top of their game mm -hmm. and for whatever reason have been knocked off the mountain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a choice that we make whether or not we're going to hike back up that mountain. You know, a former coach of mine, Steve Chandler, one, when I interviewed him for the podcast, one of the things that he said that really stuck out for me is like, to him, mental toughness is how, how much it's about like how much time are you willing to let pass before you get to the creation stage 
after some adversity. How long did it take you to not just get over this, but to be able to create from it? I'm going to say it took a couple of years. Uh huh. Um, it took a couple of years, one, because of that uh, military process. Uh-huh. Right? That military process took about two years. And then I retired from military service. And uh, then I had to really figure out, well, you know what? I used to be, you know, Commander Dennis Volpe. Uh, and now I'm, take that commander off. Who am I? Mm-hmm. I really had to figure out who I was uh, and what mattered to me. And then prioritize my life around what mattered to me, why it mattered to me, and then focus my energy, my effort, and my attention on those things. So who, who do you serve in the world these days? Who do I serve? Well, I serve those individuals or teams that want to be more focused, more fulfilled, and more resilient. And as a coach, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking from the personal level or from the team level, if, if you need to be more focused and more fulfilled or resilient so you can be more engaged mm. and more effective and more successful in the work you do and in the life you lead, that's who I like to work with. Mm. And uh, who yeah. do I really like to work with? Yeah, I get the opportunity to, to do that kind of work with military veterans or first responder small business owners Mm. who also have skin in the game because it's not, you know, it's not the company's money. It's actually their money. Mm -hmm. And uh, because one of the things, Chris, that I learned as a commanding officer and now as a coach, that leadership can be a very, very lonely place Mm. because of the accountability, because of the responsibility, Mm. because of the decisions that we have to make and the impact that it has on us, has on other people. But also sometimes as a leader, whether it's a small business leader or or a unit leader in the military or whatever, sometimes you just need to have real conversations about real life shit with a real person who could provide you with insight, perspective, and support, as well as accountability. Mm. Amen to that. (laughs) So let's let's talk about this distinction. This is your language. Yeah, You said this to me the first time we spoke, and it's also on your website. So I don't know if this is like one of your mantras, but how, what's the language that you use here in this distinction? Well, and for those of you listening to the, just the podcast audio version, I'm pointing to my whiteboard here, which has some language on it. So what, and it's a distinction uh, about change and transition. So, so what is the appropriate language? But this is all abbreviated. Absolutely. What is your language? Yeah. You know, change is a fact. Change is what happens to us. And I think if you look at the past year, past year and a half, change is a fact. Change, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's both, it's going to happen to us. Transition is a choice. What we actually do about the change that impacts us is absolutely a choice. And you talked about it already. You can choose to be the victim. You can choose to stay in bed and blame other people, make excuses, deny your reality. Or you know what? You can take ownership of it. You can take ownership of it. You can look at it in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah, this happened, but it doesn't define me. And I want to go and I want to take action 
that's aligned with what I value, what I want to prioritize, and what I expect. And you know what? Life is a contact sport. And you're going to get knocked down. And you have to make the choice as to whether or not you're going to get back up. But the other part of it is, Chris, life is also a team sport. And you need to choose your team wisely because you want to choose your team. You want to choose those people who share similar values, who share similar priorities and similar expectations. Mm. You want to choose people who are going to challenge you to be better today than you were yesterday and better tomorrow than you were today. That, you know, that's a huge point that that's totally worth slowing down, right? <clears throat> Which is, you know, who are you choosing to surround yourself with? I think a lot of, we've all heard it, right? But let's like really, really hear it. Like really hear it. Right, like, like here's so this is what you're reminding me of is to stop and to actually reflect for as long as it needs. Who are who am I spending time with? Who am I including in my world? And are they making it easier for me to be amazing? Yeah, and if they're not, and if they're not, <laughs> what are you doing about it? Yeah, who are you spending time with? And how are you making sure that they're allowing you or enabling you or empowering you or equipping you to be amazing? And you're doing the same thing for them. Mm. You're investing in them because what else do I believe? I believe, and it's probably due to my maritime background, right? I believe a rising tide raises all boats. <laughs> so if you're going to spend time with amazing people, I mean, if you want to be amazing and you want to do epic shit, you need to spend time with amazing people who are doing epic shit. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, let's just play a little devil's advocate. We'll stay with this for a second longer because it's fun and important. What if you're having that sort of conversation with someone, right? Not sort of that exact conversation with someone. And they go, yeah, but they start doing a yeah, but. Like, yeah, but like, where do I, I'm just a typical person. Where do I find, how, how am I supposed to find people that are doing epic shit that want to even spend time with me? You need to, you got to be, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Right? You hear that all the time. What does that really mean? Well, hey, you know, you gave a shout out to, you know, <laughs> the Davises. It took some effort for me to respond to that email. Right. To say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to actually reach out to the mental toughness coach. <laughs> the guy's got who's got a podcast about mental toughness. Who's got a following, who's got a tribe. And you know what? There was a time where self-confidence and self-assurance was something that I I had. And then I lost and wow. I had to find it again. How? OK, let's get into the how. Then. What, what, can, what can you share with us? Of how? I mean, that's a that's no small task, right? So no. you, got any, you got any nuggets for us? Like, all right, and how, how did you rebuild your confidence? You just had to take one step. You know, and I know that you've talked to Dr. Taryn, right? She talks about, you know, what scares us is sacred. That's how you get your confidence back. You start doing the stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. Not crazy uncomfortable, but 
uncomfortable. Well, no, we've had some other guests. Right? That, that well, I know you've had some people on here that have said, yeah, you need to do that crazy stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for all of us regular people out here, right. uh, what is that one or two things that you're like, that scares me? And mm. why does it scare you? Mm. Identify why it scares you. And then say, yeah, you know what? But it's going to make me better. Mm. And then taking that one step. That's great. And literally stepping. I like to, I like to say, you know, Stepping into the arena. Stepping into what? Stepping into the arena. Into the arena. Right? And uh, when I think about one of the things that helped me the most mm. going through all of my stuff, mm. um, I got, I remember when all of that stuff went down and I got a random email from, from a major commander in the Navy. And it didn't say anything except the subject line. And the subject line said, it's not the critical counts. Wow. And that's from the man in the arena, yeah. Theodore Roosevelt. It's not the critical counts. It's actually the man or woman in the arena who's actually doing those deeds, whose face is marred with blood and sweat and tears. It's not the person who's sitting on the sidelines saying, oh, I could have done that better or you could have done that better, right? There's, and you talked about it. You could be a victim or you could be a creator. And, uh, you know, I read, I read the book Unhackable recently and it talked about, you know, there's really three types of people in the world. You can either be a creator, you can be a consumer, or you could be a critic. Well, guess what? If you believe Theodore Roosevelt, and I do, the critic doesn't count. Oh. It's actually people who are actually in the arena who are actually getting things done. And if you want to build your confidence, you need to get into the arena. Huh. And get into the arena with people who are going to support you, but also hold you accountable to what you said is important to you as you're moving forward in this thing we call life. Huh. Yeah, so another thing that you said to me that uh, really, and you and you've referenced it. You didn't say this exact language, but you said this exact language when we very first spoke, and I wrote it down. I even highlighted it. Uh oh. <laughs> so uh, correct me. I was writing fast, so I don't know if I got it spot on, but I think it's close enough. And you'll fix it if it's not right. This is what you said. I know what it takes to fail, and how to not be a failure. Does, yeah. that sound, does that sound like the language you use? Yeah, that sounds like my language, brother. Well, that's a big deal, right? That's a huge construct. Or that's not a huge construct. It's it, that that is um, there's a huge lesson in that, right? Uh, which is the distinction between uh, well, failure and failure, like experiencing failure. That that is a construct. That's just an, that's one way of interpreting not getting what you want. Failure. Uh, and then be versus being a failure. <clears throat> yep. Right. So like failure, as we generally uh, agree, we'll just say the definition of failure is, is not getting what you want. There's no human that will ever not experience that and, right. and, and loads of it daily. <laughs> right. So um, what does this mean to you? How do you interpret this? Uh, I know what it takes to fail. 
and how to not be a failure. Yeah, I mean, it's when we start thinking about resilience, and I know that's something that we were going to talk about, right? Resilience is all about realizing that failure is a part of life. And, you know, it was a tough pill to swallow. Why do I say that? Um, you can rewind back to when I was a kid. My father was an infantry Marine. He was a, he was a Marine in Vietnam. He was a Purple Heart winner. Wow. What did I grow up? What was the mantra I heard growing up? Failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then you go into the military. Same thing. You go to the, go to the Naval Academy. Failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. But you never, well, what does that really mean? And then you fail. Not only do you fail, but you fail on an international stage when you're at the top of your career. And how do you move forward? Well, one, it wasn't easy. (laughs) Uh, But how do you move forward? Well, you need to understand what your purpose is. You You need to understand what purposeful work really is for you. And what does that look like? Because we've been given really bad advice our entire life. And what do I mean by that? Everybody says, Chris, you need to follow your passion. Crappy advice, right? Because with passion, with energy comes stray voltage. And you're going to potentially do stuff that doesn't make sense. That's not aligned with what your values are, what you deem is important. It's just energy. So being able to to identify what gave me energy and take that passion and put it in a box of purpose, that's what allowed me to move forward. What does that look like? Well, what is Dennis, what are are his strengths? What is is he good at? What is he really good at? Coaching is one of them. Being able to take an objective view of things and provide insight and perspective based on my experiences and my ability to look at things differently. Uh, there it is right there. That's your, your, your ability and willingness to look at things differently. So that, that's the strength part, right? Mm-hmm. And then what are the three other sides of that box? Well, what energizes you? You know, what actually gives you energy from the actual process? And then what matters to you, right? What are those things that you really want to solve? And for me, it's behavior change for people. Behavior change so that way they can actually do the work they want and live the life they want and be the best version of themselves. That's what energizes me. That's what matters to me. And then the other part of it is that team part. Who do you want to get into the arena with? And who do you want to literally go to battle with? Hmm. Yeah, what about, again, going back to, to, to being devil's advocate, right? Because I'm just sure. trying to hear, you know, I always do this in these interviews. I'm always visualizing uh, like maybe what would uh, someone listening or watching who's got some skepticism or at least some, some questions or maybe some doubt. Yeah. You know, so it's like you hear that and you go, yeah, well, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to be an entrepreneur. I don't know if I am. I don't know if I have that in me. You know, Um, I don't, I don't, maybe this is for people with more courage. What would you say to someone like that? 
What's, that way. Yeah. So what's scaring you? <laughs> I, and then identifying not only what scares you, but why does it scare you? And really think about, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, you're thinking about, you know, literally getting outside of your comfort zone. Okay. Well, what is the worst thing that could happen? I could go homeless. What's the likelihood that that's going to happen? Very slim, but it's possible. Yeah. What's the best thing that could happen? I could crush it. And what's the likelihood based on your strengths and all the people that you know and your network and everything else, what's the likelihood that that's going to happen? Yeah, well, that's a great question that hopefully, you know, someone would say very likely. I believe that it's more than, it's greater than 50%. Right, but that's, that, that's a choice too. Yeah, it's absolutely a choice. I mean, you know, how, so the percentage, like you're, what's the likelihood? How influenced is your truth to that by the, <laughs> how much of, is your response governed by the way you're thinking? Uh, it, it absolutely is. And that's why I love to have coaching conversations and challenge those thoughts and challenge those frameworks that people have in their heads about what their reality really is. I was blessed and I didn't realize it then, right? When I was a young um, sophomore at the Naval Academy, guy named Captain Charlie Plum came to give us a lecture and, uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday, and it was in 1993. <laughs> and uh, he was a POW in Vietnam. He was a POW for seven years, I believe. And he talked to us for about an hour. And he was in his prisoner of war kind of pajamas. And he walked, I believe it was in like a six by six square. For an hour, because that's what what was his reality. Wow. And he talked about life, and he talked about life is all about the choices that we make. And to your point, you could choose to be the victim, or you could choose to be the creator. And if you always choose to be the victim, don't be surprised if you're the victim. <laughs> Right, because you're going to see what you're looking for. Mm. If you want to see success, start thinking about being successful. If you want to see roadblocks, start thinking about roadblocks. Start thinking about barriers. Thinking about all of the things that could go wrong, and that is exactly what you're going to see. I don't know if it was Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus or who it was. Oh boy. Yeah. Your daily stoic on. Yeah. One of those geniuses who said, by and large, people become what they think, right? Yeah. We, we create, so that's what you're saying. Is you, you, we create what it is that we think. And that's why this is so fundamental and so, so critical. This is one of the most important conversations I think we could ever have. Well, you just said it's so huge, right? We'll create what we're thinking of. <clears throat> you want to see robots? Go ahead and think of them. You'll find them real quick. I love that. Well, a success, fill your mind with success. And, and Chris, the reason I'm laughing is because it, it's on my desktop. Um, 
And it's something that I look at every day. Hmm. Happiness and freedom begin with a clear understanding of one principle. Some things are within our control and some things are not. It is only after you have faced up to this fundamental rule and learned to distinguish between what you can and can't control that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness become possible. Oh. Epictetus. Ah, nice. <laughs> so you were spot on. Not quite as articulate. <laughs> but I, I like to say and that's part of emotional intelligence. Right? We hear the terms emotional intelligence and EQ all the time. And everybody thinks of that, you know, it's this crazy concept that you, you know, is too foreign to me to really understand. Right? It's complicated. It's really not. <laughs> you know, emotional intelligence is about four things. And Daniel Goleman talked about it. Travis Bradbury talked about it. It's self-awareness and self-management on the personal competence side. And then it's social awareness your awareness of other people and then relationship management on the, you know, the social competence side, but social awareness or sorry, self-awareness is all about understanding what matters to you and then doing something about it, doing something positive about it. So knowing what you value and you hear me talk about it all the time, what do you value why do you value that? And how are those values going to guide your decision-making? And then what are your priorities? What are you solving for right now? And being open and honest with yourself as to why you're solving for it. Yeah, and this isn't rocket science. <clears throat> but what fascinates, I mean, it's, these, are, these are like some of the most important questions, right? But it, isn't it interesting? What's your hypothesis on why most people don't slow down enough to even reflect on these questions? Because they're busy. <laughs> they're busy. Yeah, isn't that funny? Right? I'm too busy. I just did an, an, an emotional intelligence and, and resilience workshop last week for... Um, for high potential vice presidents in the financial services industry. And uh, we had this very, very similar conversation. And we, we literally, it was a two day workshop. So we, eight hours, right? For, for one day, for the other. And, and the feedback was, wow, I need to take a step back a little bit more often mm. and give myself the time and space I need to think, to slow down, and really to identify what matters to me mm. and what I am actually doing about what matters to me. Because yeah. very often, and that's the difference between you know, endurance and resilience, in my opinion, mm. right? Endurance is our ability, you know, and I, and I know that it, it's like putting the blinders on, putting our head down and keep going and keep going and keep going. Mm -hmm. Resilience is our ability to keep going when we have to, but also identifying when we might be going in the wrong direction. Mm. And then, or, you know what, hitting that roadblock, 
not getting exactly the way we want to go and reflecting on, well, why? And then doing something about it. So we're actually better from that experience. That's a great reminder for everybody that's listening or watching this is to schedule that time. And guess what? It goes back to, it's a choice. You know, there's a book that I was required to read in philosophy class in college where I met JD and Muhlenberg. And uh, uh, it's by Leo Tolstoy, The Death of Ivan Illich. I haven't read that one yet. So it's about a guy who bought into the conventional definition of success and then committed his life to that, which is the attainment of wealth and power. Mm-hmm. As if that's really success. And then he gets sick, right? And he's on his deathbed and he's confronted with the question, was my whole life wrong? <laughs> right? And, and you're asking all, you're throwing, out, throwing down all the important questions that people need to, that we, if we want to never have that confrontation with that question, <laughs> then we need to slow down and spend time and reflect on all the the important questions that you're dropping right here. What are my values? What's important to me? What am I good at? What am I doing about it? (laughs) Right? I've got this lovely list. And now what am I doing to get in the arena? And and that's the key thing, right? Because awareness is one thing. Effectiveness is another. <laughs> so you don't necessarily just want to be an emotionally aware leader. You absolutely want to be that. Mm-hmm. But what you need to be is an emotionally effective leader. Because mm-hmm. it, it's somebody who takes that awareness and puts it into action. And that's why you know, you, you asked me about transition on purpose. You know, what, what is a transition on purpose mindset? Well, it's one that's self-aware, that seeks clarity about what really matters, what reality really is, and what success looks like. And when I say success, how have you defined success for you and the people around you? Not how anybody else has defined success. And I had this conversation just yesterday. Mm-hmm. If, if you can't write a story, if you can't write a poem, if you can't draw a picture, paint a picture, or get a bunch of Lincoln Lodge or Legos and build success for you, then you haven't thought about it enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amen. All right. There's some homework, everybody. <clears throat> Go get some Lincoln Logs or... <laughs> Or write down your, what is, answer the question, what is your definition of success? I, Dennis, I think that's one of the most important questions ever, right? Because a conditioning of our past would have us all buy into like the Leo Tolstoy's character, Ivan Illich, yeah. right? And, and, and I'll tell you, my experience, intellect, non-important variable here, because that doesn't transcend the conditioning that would have us all be mesmerized into committing, using all of our intellect, right, to go create wealth and power to discover what was this. But you know what, Chris? Some people's definition of success mm-hmm. might be wealth and power. 
fine. And you know what? Make that, that is choice. totally okay for them. Yeah, right. Good. Yeah. As long as they're open. Have it be your choice. Have it be your choice. Have it be your yeah. decision. You exactly. Chose. Is it mine? No. That you thought right? through. Right. And when I think about success, it goes back to that whole values discussion. What do I need in my life to be successful? Right. And that if you took it away, that my version of success, my definition of success would be adversely impacted. Right. And what does that look like? Take away my autonomy, my ability to have conversations with awesome people who are doing epic shit like yourself. Take that away. My definition of success gets impacted. Hmm. Impact. Right. My ability to equip, empower and energize others to really define and make better decisions about the work they do and the life they lead. Take that away. My definition of success goes away. Mm. Right. Connection. Take away my opportunity to interact with people who are going to challenge me to be better today than I was yesterday and better tomorrow than I was today. That's going to impact my definition of success. And then take away my, my physical, emotional, and financial security to do those things. That's going to impact my definition of success. Mm-hmm. That's what matters to me is autonomy, impact, connection, and security for me and the people who matter to me. You use amazing language, man. I could listen to you all freaking day. You, I love the way you use language. It's very powerful. You I don't know. hear that very often. <laughs> ah, you. We have to hang out more. <laughs> you know, you actually, I think a minute ago, you just dropped the, the title of your book. I did. Transition on Purpose. Transition. Oh, that's an interesting combination of, speaking of language, transition on purpose, as opposed to transition involuntarily or blindly. What do you mean? Or accidentally. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Right, because when you transition on purpose, you're actually going to make deliberate choices and take focused action on what matters to you. And when you don't do that, you're doing it accidentally. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I've done the accidental transition. That's actually how I ended up having a military career. I never planned to have a military career. I planned to go to the Naval Academy do my minimum service obligation, and then go into federal law enforcement. That was the plan. But in late 2000, early 2001, there was a federal hiring freeze. I didn't have the opportunity to go into federal law enforcement. So the one thing I actually thought about, and why did I want to go into federal law enforcement? My dad was a cop. I had a bunch of friends who were FBI agents, so it made sense. Not because I thought about what mattered to me or any of the stuff doing purposeful work. It just kind of made sense. And then the one thing that I didn't put a whole lot of thought into <laughs> wasn't available, but the Navy was really nice. They're like, Hey, what do you, you know what? I know that you're teaching leadership at the Naval Academy. What if we actually send you to get an advanced degree in leadership development for free? Absolutely. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you stay on what we call shore duty 
for an extra year to do that. So you're not going to go back out on a ship and go out to sea and go on deployment for another year. Okay. And what if we give you a signing bonus? So you're going to give me the trifecta because I didn't actually put any thought into what I wanted to do with my career. Love it. Sign me up. Give me the paper. That's interesting. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. And then a lot of people ask, well, you could have stayed in the, you could have stayed in the military for another eight years because at, at the rank I was at, I still, we call it high year tenure. I could have stayed in for another eight years, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to because I couldn't do the work that I wanted to do. I knew because of what had happened, I couldn't be a commanding officer anymore. And once you've been the boss, you want to be the boss again. <laughs> and if you don't have the opportunity to be the boss in in that organization, well, you know what? You need to go be your own boss somehow. Mm. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Right on, man. Well, congratulations to you. Congratulations for the way that you choose and have chosen to use your life to respond, right? To well, now you're now you're throwing Victor Victor Frankel at me, right? We've got stimulus that comes at us. You know, we got the change of life that comes in our direction. And we've got a choice to either be reactive or be responsive. And if we don't give ourselves the time and space to really process that information, we just become a reactive individual. I so Victor Frankel was another one of the books that we were re required to read for that very same class at Muhlenberg in philosophy. Wow. Uh huh. Man's search for meaning, and uh, a great way to summarize that entire message from that book, Man's Search for Meaning, is a person with a why can deal with any how. And you, and you mentioned that you mentioned that earlier, right? What's your purpose? What's your purpose? One of, the yeah. bigger, one of the big questions. So uh, speaking of great books, where uh, people can find your book, actually, uh, it's on Amazon. You want to say the title again? Transition, transition. On purpose. Transition, singular, on purpose. Transition on purpose. Yep. And your website is Dennis-Volpe, V-O-L-P-E.com. Correct. Or you can go to transitiononpurpose.com and it'll get you to the same place. Right that. And uh, so where else can people, you're on LinkedIn? I am. Yep. And are you active on other social media? Those are the three best places to find me. First, uh, you go to my website or go to uh, Transition on Purpose or find me on LinkedIn. Right on, man. Well, thank you for your wisdom, for your time. You're a great story storyteller, man. And I really appreciate it all the gifts that you brought the Tough Talks tribe today. I appreciate it. And uh, the big thing about resilience, and I know we've talked about it, you know, there, there's a mental component, there's a physical component, and there's also a social component. Uh, so your tribe is one of the biggest parts of living a resilient life. So choosing your tribe and making sure your vibe attracts the right tribe is important.
Tri-fi, baby. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and always have a sense of purpose because that's going to get you where you want to go. Amen. Thank you, Dennis Volpe. Appreciate it. All you. right. Thanks, Chris. I love the way he tells his story. I like how mindful he is when he speaks. But God, wow. I mean, he really, I knew of the story, but I hadn't ever heard him tell the story before. And he, he tells it quite well, doesn't he? I mean, that was compelling, right? Just living large, crushing it in every way, right? And then literally running aground, like literally running aground and everything changing in 24 hours. Whew. Yeah, I guess that, that takes some resilience, huh? <laughs> Think he's got any mental toughness? And look at him, you know, creating joyfully and purposefully and mindfully serving the world. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, my friends. Um, thanks, as always, for tuning in, for being a part of Tough Talks Tribe. And until next time, great miracles. Mm -hmm.